Welcome back. Couch Potato Radio here on the Mighty 719, 104.7 KFGO. It's been a while, and of course, we're kind of dormant for sports. Dr. Jeff Baumgartner from the Criminal Justice Political Science Department at NDSU. How you been, man? I haven't been on much in the afternoon, so I haven't had a chance to talk to you and invite you in. How's your summer been so far? Oh, it's been busy, uh, Derek. Uh, and thanks for having me uh, back, by the way. But yeah, it's been it's been pretty uh, pretty busy summer. Um, a lot of different things going on, and um, uh, different uh, research projects I'm involved in, and and uh, and of course a lot of a lot of criminal justice news uh, oh, yeah. in recent in recent weeks and months, and trying to stay on top of that. So um, yeah, lots going on, but uh, certainly happy to be back. I want to ask because we're going to run some of the January six hearings tonight, and uh, you know. When I think about the Capitol Police and how that's different and everything that goes along with that, it, it and whether or not the National Guard is brought in to help out the police, I think that's one of the more intriguing things about that. Do you think, as you know, someone with a law enforcement background, we kind of have to relook at how we take care of our senators and our our House members? You know, I I, I just think with the political firestorm that's out there right now, kind of combining both your worlds, that's something we have to consider. I mean, I think. People like Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell on both sides, they have to maybe have a little bit more protection than they have right now. Yeah. Now, the leadership uh, in Congress already has extra protection. They do. Okay. Uh, they do have some uh, some physical security protection but uh, or personal security protection. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of high-profile members of Congress. And, and uh, so say somebody like AOC, you know, right. very, very yeah. high, high-profile member of Congress, a lot of People don't like her. A lot of people like her, but a lot of people don't like her. Or Jim Jordan on on the on the Republican side. People like that. Um, you know, they can request uh, extra protection from the uh, from the Capitol Police and and uh, and sort of secondarily from uh, say an agency like the Federal Protective Service and the Department of Homeland Security. Um, but. Uh, but there's certainly not enough security uh, personnel to protect, you know, everybody in Congress, right? right. So, uh, so they have to be a little bit uh, strategic about it and and go where the threats are. But you could be right. Maybe it is time. Just I mean, given the sort of the intensity of the division in politics right now, uh, um, you know, and and uh, just how how um, exercised uh, people can get uh, over a lot of these issues, maybe it is time to talk about. Uh, a, a broader menu of security options for members of Congress. Well, I mean, I think of three names, right? Steve Scalise, right? Sure. Right. G- Gabby Giffords, right? I mean, that'd be another yep. one. I mean, yep. look at Rand Paul. I mean, he, right. Someone he attacked. attacked him yeah, too. So, I mean, exactly. I, I, this is be- becoming a little bit too normal for people who are just, and, you know, we talk and maybe don't like politicians, or whatever, but hey, let's face it, they're representing your state. I mean, that's, this is, I would not want to see, no matter what you think, Kevin Kramer or Amy Klobuchar, you know, attacked by someone here locally, and that that would make me sick to my stomach. Absolutely, uh, and even yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly people in Congress I'm not a big fan of, as you know, I'm kind of on one side of the political spectrum, but but I wouldn't want anyone uh, no. attacked or uh, threatened, uh, or their families attacked or threatened, um, and so absolutely, I mean, I and and of course we're seeing little bit of a breakdown with regard to security of uh, of justices as well, right? And so oh, I think that's uh, huge. Uh, yeah, and so it's as, uh, as volatile as that is right now. Right. And people protesting from their house, and yeah, that's not good. So it's just a it's just a a really um, you know a, a really difficult environment right now. Uh, and uh, I think you're probably right that uh, you know more security measures are probably warranted, especially for for high profile public figures. Yeah, very interesting. Um. The big story out of uh, how we say this wrong is it Uvalde, Texas? Or Uvalde, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure as a law enforcement official trained to go to the threat, it had to make you sick to your stomach. That you know, when the, 
A, the video got leaked, and B, just seeing the retreat. I mean, that's just that's not how it's taught, right? Right. I mean, it, it, you know, really since Columbine, uh, police officers have been training uh, to go to the threat, to give, I mean, a, you know, no one wants it to come to this, but you're, you know, the idea is you give the shooter something else to shoot at, right? right. Uh, something else to concern themselves with uh, rather than the uh, unarmed people that they might be shooting at in an active shooter situation, and certainly especially school children. Um, now, having said that, I think there were, you know, some officers that were wounded by gunfire, uh, so they apparently some of them did attempt to go to the threat. But, um, but yeah, the videos of of dozens and dozens of officers crowding the hall, standing around, um, it, it is it is disconcerting. I, I was, you know, when the story first happened, I was, you know, I was kind of withholding judgment. Uh, um, because things are never as they, you know, sort of as they appear. Uh, but, um, but by all appearances, this this looks pretty pretty awful, especially for leadership. Um, I, I think you probably saw that uh, the Texas legislature they had a committee that that investigated this and already came out with a preliminary report on the Evaldi shooting and the police response. And uh, uh, I'd say the the vast majority of the blame is is directed at. Uh, leaders and lack of leadership, uh, you know, sort of the chaotic situation and no one with any rank kind of taking control of the situation and giving guidance to the other officers. I mean, if you're officer number 43 who arrives uh, at the scene of a crisis, uh, you're not going to push yourself to the front of the line and say, I'm in charge, right? I mean, you're counting on people that are already there and particularly leaders who are already there uh, to have more information than you do, and to and to in this paramilitary organization to give orders for what needs to be done. Um, so I don't indict all the officers that were present at the scene, uh, but I but I I do hold uh, dim views of the leadership. Yeah, it's just a a bad look all over. That is for sure. So hopefully, uh, and I think if anything, when it comes out of this, you know, just ultimate tragedy is. We got to really look at what we're doing here, right? I mean, I, I don't know. What's your take on? Because I really believe in um, resource officers. I, as being a substitute teacher, I think every school should have one. I, I mean, for all the stuff that we spend money on in this country, right. I, I just think that everyone should have one or two, depending upon the size of the school. It's just too important. I mean, we can't have to think that I can't walk into my old high school and go to the office right now without getting buzzed in. It just makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but even even if you have one school resource officer on the campus, they may not be you know where a threat is taking place. Right. Um, and and generally speaking, they're you know, you know the the, the officers that want to you know that, that want to become school resource officers, they want to work with children. They want to have a you know kind of a quasi teaching role. Um, that you know they're typically not the officers that are wanting to kick down doors and and uh, and we kind of saw that play out. Um, uh, in in the in the Florida shooting, um, but uh, um, you know where you had a school resource officer somewhere clear across campus wasn't readily available and and wasn't you know either un- either was unwilling or unable to to, to find the threat. Uh, the vast majority of school resource officers would certainly go try to find the threat, but it could take time. And and uh, in the case of Ovaldi, uh, they had school uh, officers uh, on duty just there wasn't one on that campus they were on another campus and so they right. had to respond um but uh 
you know, I, I'm interested at least or intrigued by the Israeli model where they, you know, they push the perimeter back. And I know it's, I know it, like you say, it's an, it's annoying. It's, it's sickening that you have to be buzzed in at your high school and how much worse would it be if you have to be buzzed in at the, at the property grounds, right? I mean, not even at the building, but that's yeah, just but, an awful thought that it's going to look like yeah. a prison more than it is going to look like a school. Yeah. Correct. But, but I wonder if that's not the approach that we need to take where you, where you, where you push the barriers and you harden the target further away from from where the kids are. Now somebody would say, well, then then the next shooter would just take place at that at that juncture at the at the at the the point of getting entry where there's going to be a big crowd trying to get into the building. And so, I mean, I I, I get it that it, you know that may not be a, a you know a, a perfect solution, but but it does seem like the solution is going to be some combination of uh, additional police resources at school as well as. Uh, some sort of greater uh, hardening or, you know, additional hardening of the targets. Couch Potato Radio, Derek Hansen with you. It's great to have Dr. Jeff Baumgartner with us again, Criminal Justice Political Science Department of North Dakota State University. When you see stuff like this, and I got to be careful how I say this because it'll come out wrong, but when I saw that video of what, you know, just the school shooting stuff and all those type of things, it makes me as sick as seeing a video of where there might have been, you know, some type of... uh, 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 you know, abuse or, you know, you know, I'm not saying showing per se, but you know what I mean? When you hear about these things, when there's questions about, Hey, what did the body cam show? What, were they running away? That type of thing. Right. All of it's bad. And it, it frustrates me because we need good law enforcement people. You, you need students to teach, to go out in this world. Right. And <laughs> that's my biggest fear is something negative like that, along with all the other stuff that we dealt with since 2020, when it exploded around this country, it's just, it's, it, that's just a lot to deal with. Well, it is. And, and officers are dealing with a lot right now. And I'm, I'm grateful that there's still, you know, young people that want to go into law enforcement. And, and uh, we do see them at NDSU and at other schools, Minot State, Lake Region, other places here sure. in Minnesota at uh, MSUM uh, and elsewhere. So, um, uh, so I'm grateful that students want to, uh, you know, want to um, uh, still get into law enforcement. But you do wonder if if all the negative publicity is going to take a toll. You know, in the case of Uvalde, um, you know, well, I mean, we've been hearing for two years that we don't want warrior cops until Uvalde happens, and then you want a warrior, yeah, right? Well, you know, so that's so, what I wrestle with. You with know, this. So, you know, it's it's really it, you're under such a microscope in this profession right, right now, and it's hard. I it, mean, because you're trained to stop the threat, and you know when you're in the fire and your adrenaline's pumping, that you're just kind of reacting too sometimes to what's going on. And Correct. I always talk about trying to be a proactive person, but it's it's tough to do sometimes because you have to react to what you know the perpetrator is doing. Correct. I mean, you think about how uh, the reports were that uh, there was one officer uh, who was early on the scene who actually had the shooter in his sights outside, you know, yeah. before the shooter had gained entry, but. Uh, wasn't sure that uh, he had, you know, clearance to shoot the shooter, right? And so, how would you like I, to live with that the rest of your life? Well, I, I, oh, I, I, uh, I'm sure he regrets it, obviously, but, uh, but I, I can't really blame him for having this hesitation because every decision you make uh, when deadly force is involved is going to be uh, scrutinized, uh, you know, as it should be, uh, but. You know, we're seeing officers left and right getting prosecuted and sued, and uh, you know, for the for for split second decisions that right. they make. And uh, uh, this officer, while uh, he may have to have the pains of conscience of, of of not having taken a shot, 
he at least is not in jail uh, for having uh, made a wrong decision when it came to uh, to deadly force. And so um, I think, again, society, you know, we're, we're in that time where we have to recalibrate again and decide what kind of police officers we want and what is it we expect them to do. Uh, and people have to understand there's a human factor and that there's you know, going to be human error sometimes, and they're doing the best that they can. And, uh, you know, where do you want them to err? Do you want them to err on the side of caution or err on the side of, uh, you know, uh, a victim's safety and concern? Or, you know, we just have to, we have to make some of those determinations and then stick with it so officers know what they're, you know, what rules they're playing by. Yeah, for sure. Dr. Jeff Baumgartner with us again, Criminal Justice, Political Science Department at North Dakota State. I'm Derek Hansen, Couch Potato Radio. We get the uh, January 6th Hearings coming up a little bit later. Twins off again tomorrow night, and then they're back at it. What is with that, by the way? <laughs> I mean, I, I understand if you want to get through Thursday off, but, I mean, Friday night, the world of Major League Baseball, you need to be playing games on a Friday night, don't you? For that's sure. A, that's a little bonkers. Are you as big of a Twins fan as you are a football fan? Well, you no, I'm a bigger football fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I, I like the I, Twins, and I, I like baseball, but I, I'm definitely a football yeah, fan. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, probably more of a football fan. I enjoy the Twins for what they are, you know. Sitting on the pontoon and listening to the radio, as right, you know, that right. type of thing. But uh, as, uh, yeah, I, I was thinking about you when I saw Kyler Murray got this big contract extension, as we saw Kyler Murray in the game that you and I watched out the lake, yeah. by the way. With a, <laughs> I'll never forget going to the bathroom and they. I, I thought, all right, we're going to halftime with a lead. And then you said, no, they just tied it up. You just missed it. It was like 30 seconds left after they kicked it off. I'm like, that, that was so the end of the Mike Zimmer era to a T yes. there, wasn't it? <laughs> For sure. We cannot stop anyone within the two-minute warning. That would be the, pretty much what sums up the uh, 2021 season. Think right. how much excitement there would be around Vikings uh, this year if they had hired Harbaugh. Well, that would be something. I, I Yeah, I'm so disappointed that they went with you know, sort well, of a vanilla approach, but whatever. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I well, we'll see how it all plays out for him anyway. All right. So, so are you biding your time? How, how do you feel about football season? Because you like football. We're coming to the end here of uh, J- July, so we know that training camp. It's such a bittersweet thing for me because I love football, but I don't want summer to end either. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, same thing. I you know, I like summer and, and it's a time to get some stuff done and, and I'm behind on my list. So, so I need summer to last a little longer, but I, I do enjoy fall. I enjoy the weather. And, uh, and of course I enjoy football, especially college football. Yeah. Got season tickets to uh, the Bison for the first time in the eight years that I've been here. You know, the first time that they opened up, uh, to me. And, uh, so my wife and I have tickets and we're looking forward to that. And of course I'm keeping my fingers crossed and crossed and my toes crossed that somehow the uh, Bison end up in F. BS here, uh, uh, you know. In the oh, next here we go years. with that again. Yeah, well, that's... <laughs> well, how about that? I mean, I, don't you think the chips are going to start falling all over the place the way this is going? I mean, the USC UCLA thing, yeah, to the Big Ten is that's going to just do another. I mean, the waves of this. I I don't know where it ends. It's just, it's beyond bonkers right now. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of torn because you know, sort of the more chaos that happens, the more likelihood that uh, right. the NDSU can find itself with a chair. Uh, when the music stops. But on the other hand, this chaos is horrible for college football. I mean, the rivalries that are being destroyed. um, I I guess we grew up with those rivalries and with those traditions. And maybe if you're a little younger, those don't mean as much to you. Uh, But um, yeah, these, uh, the idea of these super conferences, I just, I think it's a horrible idea and very, you know, kind of, kind of, Short-sighted, I think, by the leadership that are pursuing, you know, the, the, the school leaderships that are pursuing those kinds of things. I, I don't think, I don't think a 60-team, you know, sort of super league uh, of Power Five teams uh, is going to have the the same national interests that uh, that 
that FBS has now. Uh, you know, I I may not watch Bowling Green State, but I I would you know I'd kind of resent it if 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 we get down to a semi pro league where players are you know the only players that are playing are all paid you know a hundred thousand dollars well, a year I, yeah. and uh, and the likes of Bowling Green or Northern Illinois can't even play those teams uh, that that's not college football. I, I think what's going to happen here, I really believe this, is that it'll be like the SEC, Big Ten, ACC, and then whatever is left of the. You know, before big conferences, and they're going to figure it out somehow. And then, you know, I think the rest of the FBS is going to combine with the top of the FCS and do their own little tournament. I mean, I think that's what's going to end up happening here. Because, and it's all going to be a run to who's going to be in that top tier, right? I mean, right. And because right. what I don't, what I don't get about this, and I wish someone would step in and say, "Can we have cooler heads prevail and just break off college football from anything?" Because how would you like to be Andy Enfield? We talked about this last night with David Moulton on this show. He used to be at FGSU. He goes to USC. Now he's got to recruit kids in his home area because you start within and you go out. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of going to uh, Cal and Stanford for your Thursday, Saturday basketball matchup, we're going to go to Madison and and uh, Minis- you know Madison and Mi- Minneapolis. I mean, I, right, right. I, I would not want to do that if I'm living in you know Southern California Correct. as a star basketball player. If yeah. I'm going to go to USC, UCLA or USC, it's just. That's not how it works. Right, right. And so again, these decisions seem to be being made without regard for anything except the you know the bottom line dollar and wise. Yeah. And you know, and I just I think that yeah. if we said okay, let's combine our resources here for football, and, and then you know, and, and try to get that combined for big four big super conferences, that would work out. It's, do Do you think real quick? I wanted to ask you this: Do you think there's any chance that some of these super conferences, say the Big Ten? boots any members who are sort of underperforming and have for decades. I've um, thought about that with the SEC. I mean, does the SEC really want Vanderbilt? Right. I mean, right. I, you know, and if I'm Vanderbilt and I'm talking to Northwestern and, you know, Duke and let's do our own little football conference or right. something. I mean, I think that's what they got to look at is, you know, you don't want to lose Duke and the ACC for everything else, but that's right. I think we need to have a football league yeah. And then everything else goes back to normal. Yeah. You know, so Missouri and Kansas are playing basketball. That again. would be great. Yeah, that would yeah, be great. Those are little things that people yeah. don't understand that are really important and it just it, it's it's way too much. So well, it's always a pleasure talking to you, and uh, we'll have to do it again very soon. It's, it's before you know it, I'll be talking about getting ready for the school year. Yep. So it's, a, <laughs> it's it, things kind of getting back to normal. I mean, we had President Biden today announced that he was uh, tested positive, and and you know, is there still a lot of virtual learning going on going in? Is it pretty much all in person now? Or I, I kind of feel like it's pretty much all in person now. Yeah. Um, you know, That's there's, good. there's still some professors maybe that are using virtual as an option for students, but. Uh, yeah, I believe we're all you know supposed to be back on campus, and students are generally expected to attend. Well, it's only a month away. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, good luck in getting ready for it. Always fun talking to you. We'll do it again very soon. Sounds good. Thanks. You bet. Dr. Jeff Baumgartner with us again. Couch Potato Radio. Derek Hansen with you. He is a part of the Criminal Justice Political Science Department. Always fun talking with him about what's going on in the world, and certainly there's been a lot of news as of late. Tomorrow night, we got a fun show for you. Travis Dunn's going to join us. Jeff Kolpak's going to join us. We'll preview his golf show. We'll talk a little bit about just the world of CFL. Can that fill the void here in these days where we don't have any a lot of baseball? You know, a few games yesterday and today, but uh, uh, I should say today and tomorrow, but uh, you know, the Twins don't play until Saturday. I still don't get that. Twins back in action Saturday. That'll be taking place 4.30 late afternoon coming up for... Uh, should be a pretty good uh, game against Detroit because Detroit's been tough to beat at their place. Hopefully the uh, Twins can get her done coming up this weekend with a two-game lead over Cleveland. 
as we speak. For Pauly Lines, I'm Derek Hansen, Couch Potato Radio here on the mighty 7 idea 104.7 KFGO. The January 6th hearing's coming up. 